Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Thank you for helping and teaching us, and many of us, I I suspect, are probably trying to continue to learn it and to apply it into our lives, teaching us how to praise to the bitter end, knowing that there's a high level of likelihood, Father, that within whatever trial we're going through, that there's going to be a test that's associated with it to test our faith, and that through continuous praise up to the very end, we will realize the glory of, of your touch upon our lives, the miracle of the answer to prayers that we've been praying for. And, Father, we thank you for teaching, teaching us these things as we know that we're going to have to carry those dynamics, those learning dynamics with us into the future that we should never give up, never stop praying. And it's just, it's just a powerful, mighty blessing. And it does uh, lead us into a place of trust when we, particularly when we see the answer to our prayers coming. It may not be 100% of the time, but it's enough to let us know that you're there, that you are operational in our prayer lives. And it is our uh, praise that oftentimes generates that Godhead energy to pull down the blessing that you have already sent to us. I don't know what happens in the spirit spiritual realm. I know uh, about the hindrance of, of the delivery of the blessing for Daniel in uh, 9 and 10. And I just praise you, Father, for all those understandings. But I thank you for the revelation that uh, most of us, I think, needed to have as part of our walk so that we didn't get discouraged and lose out on the blessing and praised and used the power of praise to bring it into our lives. Father, we also thank you for allowing the end times biblical timeline to continue. It may seem like it's molasses, kind of a labrea tar pit to a lot of us who have been waiting for a terribly long time, almost like 10,000, you know, death by 10,000 cuts, but it is by your mercy, Father, that many of us are here at this time at all, and we um, we love you for having that kind of mercy for our fellow brothers and sisters who haven't woken up to the point yet, everybody's at different places and they're waking up, but to the point yet where they understand how vital it is for us to be continuously examining ourselves 
to be continuously um, confessing of our sins, repenting of our sins, understanding that this is, you know, part of our walk and part of the sanctification journey and um and and knowing that it's a continuous thing in our walk and to never you know be guilty of presumptuous sins and thinking that we've made it being the tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and having a contrite spirit uh in in our fear of hellfire fear of you father but at the same time falling in love with you falling in love with Jesus and coming to that place where we've always wanted to come to and it it it's uh it's a d- very difficult journey to come to that place and and even when we arrive we get knocked knocked back down the a couple of rungs we'll just say and we have to oftentimes fight our way back to it uh by renewing our minds believing and 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 uh and exhibiting our faith openly and um fervently through our prayer life and through our praising you until we see the revelation and 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 the and the actual realization of uh the answer to our prayers in our walk and we just thank you for that father we thank you for the things that are happening across the world we praise you for the unbelievable amount of civil unrest that's taking place by the thousands of oh my goodness all over the world we praise you for the signs and the sun and the moon and star seas roaring we praise you for the pestilence the famine all of the things there's a lot of things that are going on father that are very troubling to many of us and we don't want to see our we don't want ourselves or anybody that we know any of our brothers and sisters to have to go through those ugly things again uh but you know, the prophecies, dreams, and visions do seem to indicate that that's probably going to be the case. So nevertheless, we just place all of our concerns into your hands, and we lay them at the foot of the cross of our King, and we praise you for praying for us, for the cloud of witnesses, and we just ask you to continue to lift us up in prayer and give us the power, give us the strength, whatever it takes to be able to make it. We don't want to be just called. We want to be chosen, and we praise your holy name, and we ask you, Father, please, whatever it is that we need to do to correct our course, help us to be able to see that with crystal clarity and give us the strength that we need, that perseverance that we need, that angelic help that we need in our walks uh, to be able to well to be where you need us to be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing and to you be all the glory and now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling our lord jesus and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy father and to you father god our savior who alone is wise be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen Arukhat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Boy, I like the Hebrew Kaddish. I really got to get back on the right page here. <laughs> the soundboard has five pages, and I didn't realize I wasn't on page one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we got to smile a lot more. As much, you know, as the darkness gets darker, I think it's more and more criti- critical that we are also able to smile a lot more. Praise his name. And um, and that's going to segue very nicely into the responses that we got back from the listeners for the call-in show. Pretty cool. Praise Jesus. Got a smile. We got to smile. Smile through the storm. Dance through the storm. Praise through the storm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because our joy is in heaven and in here. It's time for you to look around. 
July 17th, 2022. You know what? Something occurred to me. Hold on a second. I, I, I got to type something in because I don't want to get my facts and figures too far off. So I'm going to type in when did the COVID pandemic start? Okay, let's see here. So basically, they're saying it was officially on March 11th of 2020. But then there's another thing here, another report that says when, where did the, so it says in 2019, a coronavirus, a new, nouveau or nouvelle or whatever they call it, coronavirus was identified as the cause of disease outbreak that originated in China. That's fascinating. So really the outbreak, so the first report was wrong. Okay. That was only when the WHO made a declaration. Okay, the actual coronavirus was identified officially uh, in China in 2019. Now, you might say, well, what, why is this significant? Well, I don't know how many of you might remember this. And I do know people have told me time and time again, and I understand it, that, you know, sometimes listening to the program is like drinking from a, a fire hose. You know, it's a lot of information really fast. So, of course, it's easy to forget stuff. And I don't mean it to be that way, but it's just a lot. It, it really is a lot of information. So anyway, um, however, for those of you who were around, uh, you know, especially for the journey between 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, well, one of the things that, that had gone by was the perfect biblical blood moon tetrad that occurred. Uh, you know, it's like exceedingly rare, only once every many, 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 many hundreds of years. I don't remember what the exact figure is right off the bat. But anyway, uh, and that was to have that the, the super blood moon, which was the last one of, of that tetrad, was um, on the 28th, as I recall, of 2015 on, um, was it September, I think? Yeah. But anyway, um, that wasn't really the big blood moon news, though. Now, we talked about this for all the subsequent years afterwards pretty regularly, which was what we called the, you know, kind of like the perfect storm blood moon, the 3-4-3 blood moon pattern that was mathematically equidistant so that you were able, and, and I used to sit and, you know, maybe spend 40 minutes or maybe 30, uh, you know, t talking about the left side of the tetrad versus the right side of the tetrad and the date that it started and how you know, each blood moon event was equidistant all the way up to 2019, uh, which I think it was the 19th. It was like January 19th of 2019, I think was the last day of that impossible three, four, three 
perfect sign of the Lord. That's what the, the person who discovered it, that's what they put on their website. That's the name they gave it, the perfect sign of the coming of the Lord. Um, and now I, I, you know, it had occurred to me, you know, because I stick that um, graphic frequently up into the slideshow for the radio show for people who go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation dash now. There's a little slideshow that plays, and I'll, I'll stick that graphic, that picture of the 343 perfect sign of the Lord, um, blood moon. It, it's, it's really excellent because it gives you all the mathematics and the dates and shows you the patterns and all that. It's really, really neat. So anyway, we talked about that. I remember we talked about that, and we hypothesized, of course, invariably, whenever you're naming dates, you know, you're always going to be disappointed. But you know, sometimes you grasp the trolls when you're, you know. So anyway, um, you know, we were looking at that date, you know, wondering, okay, is this a big landmark moment, you know? And we hypothesized about so many different things. And there were some God's Healer 7 uh, prophecies that point, you know, that, that were very overt. I mean, they literally spoke it. They said that they were going to, that uh, that they had received the word from the Lord that they were going to be, um martyred you know they made an announcement about that and they had actually said that their ministries were going to be over uh right after uh january 2019 i think uh dan mentioned something about the omer uh so that put it somewhere around uh, you know and then and then sister barbara said something about she was going to start doing teaching and that didn't come to pass i don't know it's just a weird flaky weird dorky weird time but what hit me recently because you get lost in the swirly, whirly life stuff, you know, even in the midst of doing, you know, when you're doing, you know, um, lots and lots of different apocalyptic headlines, you're trying to stitch it all together and help it to tell a story, map it back over to the Bible, do it fast enough that you have enough time to, to do your introduction information and also get the news out and then bring your guest on on time or at least pretty close on time. It's a little bit tricky. But anyway, um, the... This it occurred to me, and it's confirmed right here. I'm looking right at it. It says right, right here. I'm reading it directly off of uh, search engine. It says, "Where did the 2019 coronavirus disease, disease outbreak start?" And the answer is, in 2019, a new coronavirus was identified as the cause of a disease outbreak that originated in China. And they just left it at that. And there's probably tons, and I see so many other links. Now, why is this interesting? Because when you think about it, with the exception of Noah's flood, this is the first global judgment of our Heavenly Father in the history of the world. Simple as that. This is the first time since Noah's flood that Second Thessalonians 2, what is it, verse 3, where it says, until he that, maybe it's verse 4, I'm not sure, but until he that restrains is taken out of the way, which basically is heaven's power, heaven's resources, the heaven's angels, the saints of the, the prayers of the saints. It's not one thing. It's the whole, you know, it's the kingdom. Anyway, um, and so we know, uh, and of course you would just simply look at the first chapter of the book of Job and you would understand this intimately. Um, that God is ultimately, you know, completely in control, and um, and when He lifts His hands of protection off of the earth, then something global in scope like this pandemic 
bioweapon attack, and they just, you know, announced that they're going to now, a um, bunch of places are going to let them start sticking tiny little babies, zero through five. So the seeding evil just gets more stench-filled seeding and evil. I mean, it's just, it, it you can't, yeah. Anyway, so, um, but I wanted to point that out because I, it had occurred to me, if you think about this and you look at this from the throne room perspective, you get yourself out of your microcosm, your myop, myopic viewpoint, and you go, you take a little visit to the throne room of God, you look down over the entire planet Earth, you don't have any personal biases, it's, it has nothing to do with whether or not you have any retirement saved up, you're not thinking about anything having to do with you, you're purely looking at it from the kingdom standpoint across the whole world of 8 billion people, and you realize, wow. That 343 blood moon tetrad, that impossible sign of the coming of the Lord, that graphic, which was so, it was a hundred times more astonishing mathematically than the biblical blood moon tetrad of 2015, of the fall of 2015, September. It's so, you know, many more times a magnitude more probability-wise mathematically impossible that it could, could occur. So naturally, it would make sense to the very few of us on Earth that were even aware of it, that something big, something big, whatever that something is, you know, it's anybody's guess, okay? But something big, as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, should be happening pretty soon, I would think, or at least reasonably soon, after that January 2019th date of 2019, which was the last of the 343 pattern. And then it hit me. Coronavirus. So right about the time that the... And, and by the way, the, the biblical blood moon tetrads and these other blood moons are usually ominous signs of destruction and judgment coming. Okay, it's not about going out and singing kumbaya and dancing around, you know, and, you know, no. No, it's, it, these are signs of imminent judgment coming. This is typically what they are representative of in the kingdom of God. Isn't it fascinating? It right about the, you know, give or take, who knows if it was the same month or if it was multiple months, we don't know. But isn't it fascinating? That the that the uh, the biblical blood moon tetrad, which Hagee wrote a book about, and everybody got excited, and Jim Baker and everybody like woohoo, and all that kind of stuff. But to this day, you know, I bet you that they never even realized that the very moment that that blood moon tetrad was coming to its final supermoon, that was right around the time that Fauci, the Antichrist, Obama, okay, and no doubt some hidden evil hand of Gates, were over at the Wuhan lab with their $3.7 million, uh, making sure that their evil weaponry was, uh, you know, on target, on time and under budget, they say. I look back on that and I think to myself, wow, that is profound. And then to see the 343 blood moon impossible. I mean, if it, it, you know, a lot of people call the 343 typical biblical blood moon tetrad with each blood moon landing directly on a high holy day as being about as mathematically impossible as it gets. But the 343 blood moon pattern made that look like nothing. And so we tracked that, like I said, to 2019, and it just recently occurred to me that that would have been right around the time that the coronavirus pandemic 
event was being released upon the world. Wow. Also, the moment in time when our Heavenly Father had lifted his divine hand of protection off of the earth that is seeping in sin and full of iniquity and allow a major judgment like this to occur across the world. Because this kind of thing cannot happen across the world unless our Heavenly Father is allowing it. Now, anyway, what, what an epiphany. What an amazing epiphany to realize that not one, but both of the imp- nearly impossible and one being definitely impossible, uh, biblical uh, you know, blood moon events that we were tracking since 20- 2015 all the way into the 2020s uh, were right- aligned almost within you know, a, f- a few weeks of major events. The Antichrist himself, in the process of releasing one of the most deadly bioweapons, I mean, don't even get me going on all the copyrights. I have seen them. I have watched the documentaries. And I don't care about the fact checkers. I wish that our Heavenly Father's vengeance, it's his, it's his, saith the Lord. And I just, I'm like with the martyrs. I'm with the martyrs underneath the uh, throne room of God saying, you know, how long, Father? And that's okay. All right, praise God. But anyway, I thought I thought that was fantastically interesting when you think about it, because those are those are such magnanimous events. These are judgments that are bigger than any judgment that has ever happened in the entire world since Noah's flood. That's how huge this is. And we saw, we lived, we walked through those blood moon events, wondering where's the judgment? Oh, they were there all right. But it took us a while. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We had to go back and say, wait a minute. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, I want to go ahead and make a quick um, uh, trumpet fanfare here. All right. Praise God. Uh, trumpet fanfare announcement. The call-in show went really well. We got a lot of um, – I know I kind of broadsided people with it, but I was – you know, I don't – anyway, so I'm not going to get into the hows and the whys and the whats and how, why I felt this way and that way. But here's the thing. We got a lot of communications. It was noteworthy from – I mean, I got some from instant messengers, you know, different of many different flavors and varieties, and I've got uh, emails and everything. And uh, people really enjoyed it. And what's really surprising is we really only had two callers, but both callers were very interesting and engaged uh, with uh, the, particularly with the depth. So that was kind of cool. You know, it wasn't like, um, hey, and and I'm not trying to, I don't want to discourage anybody. I mean, if if you have a question, just because you might be at a different level of understanding than we are, like if you want to go back and listen to the show. You know, I had made the promise, and of course, that's that's how I would be. That you know, this isn't about this is about all of us sharing ideas, sharing. You know, even if it, you know, it's not about disagreement. It's not about discord. None of that stuff. And it turned out really nice. We were able to share different ideas and joke around and have a good time. And I think the listeners had a good time. And we got reports from a lot of people that I haven't heard from in a while that just popped out of nowhere and said, "Wow, I really, really learned a lot." 
I really learned a lot during that. So they thought it was fun, and they learned a lot. So I think it doesn't get any better than that. So I wanted to go ahead and make an announcement. While I don't really have, I don't think I have at this time, a perfect schedule, um, you know, aligned up. But I think, and this is just a guess, um, but you will know because I'm, I'm going to try to send out an announcement on Facebook uh, the day before to let people know, kind of give them heads up. Um, but it looks like the next possible day for such an event might be the 27th of this month. But I got to talk to uh, Lauren Peterson and make sure he can join me because that went really well, too. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I don't you know, again, we got to sort it out because our schedules are kind of a little they're not very flexible. Our schedules are not very flexible because we um, we have, very, you know, regular uh guests that have specific days and then we have a couple of free days uh and um and it while it works out real good as far as uh keeping you know the guest information flowing and diverse uh it 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 also drops way down the flexibility that we have to be able to pick certain days to do things so right now the most uh possible the most tentative day would be wednesday the 27th with warren peters and again uh we could give that a try but i wanted wanted to start now I wanted to start, you know, announcing this now because we're about a week and a half out from the 27th. And the sooner I let people know. Also, listen to this. This is important. We don't we we want everybody to call. OK, you know, people I know there's, you know, people are gun, you know, not, I don't want to call it gun shy, but, you know, they're phone shy. You know, they're like, oh, no, because I remember when I before I started doing this stuff, you know, now it's just like second nature to me. But but in the beginning, I was very nervous. I was very nervous. Um, there's nothing to be nervous about. It's like making a phone call. Um, and, you know, you're never going to meet with anything except friendliness from myself or Lauren. Okay, we're just going to be joking around and kidding, making you laugh and, you know, listening to what you have to say and considering it. Because I don't think any of us have any of this stuff figured out right. I mean, we might one person may have – there's always something that someone contributes that has value. And I think it's really, really mentally stimulating and spiritually stimulating uh, to be able to share um, such a wide range of topics, uh, you know, uh, and what your thoughts are about them. Uh, you know, we, we all seem to agree – through communications over the last 11 years, that the one thing that we have or don't have is anybody to confide in. We don't have anybody to talk to. We don't have anybody to, you know, share our ideas with. If we do try to share our ideas, they, they, they think we're crazy and chase us out of the room. They don't want to talk to us. They don't invite us to the family Christmas parties or anything anymore. And we're going to be talking about anything, any, anything like paranormal experience, NDA, NDEs, you know, near-death experiences, seeing of angels, miracles, healings, anything that's UFO related is always relevant. Um, biblical end times, biblical timeline thoughts and, and, you know, ideas, because again, you know, who's to say that anybody has it exactly right, right? Glo the global reset and the control grid stuff, the, you know, the trillions of life forms and the universes and realms and multiverses and things like that. Always interesting. We talked a lot about Planet X and Nibiru on the last show on Wednesday. Uh, the Anunnaki coming as part of that, which is multiple races of these beings. Uh, nuclear war, uh, FEMA camps, and even pre-edemic earth and anything else that you feel led to talk about so anyway just wanted to go ahead and make an announcement about that and get people you know juiced up i want to get you juiced up and 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 drop down your inhibitions and call the program because it makes it it's a blessing for everybody and you're serving god by doing so 
All right, don't get me going. Don't don't make me go Malachi 3.16 on you now. All right? Because believe you me, God means what he says in Malachi 3.16. Whenever we're talking about him, whenever we're discussing how cool he is and how awesome all these things are in the mysteries of the Bible, God loves it, and he writes it down in his book of remembrance. Malachi 3.16, it's super cool. What a blessing. All right, so um, I wanted to let you know that. Then the next thing I wanted to let you know is that we want to hear from international callers as well. And, of course, that spooks everybody because they're like, boy, if I call the United States, it's gonna, you know, I won't be able to buy food for a month. Now, here's the thing. The most reliable and the most feature-present and relatively easy, I mean, really super-duper easy to set up application in the world for making telephone calls all over the world. With this application, I can call your cellular phone in Belgium at 4 o'clock when you're getting off of work. And I can do it from my cell phone. And it only costs me like pennies. If I did it with Verizon, it would cost me like hundreds for like a 10-minute phone call. So you can actually call into, like we've had people call in from Australia to the show using Skype, and that's the name of the application, Skype, S-K-Y-P-E. Microsoft now owns it. And it has, um, what you do is you just go on, you just load up the app. You can do it on your cell phone, your mobile device, your tablet, your Apple device, doesn't matter, works. You can do it on your PC, you can do it on your Chromebook, you can do it on whatever you got, laptop, you name it. Works on everything. The next thing you do is you have to set up an account, which, of course, you'd have to anyway, because how would anybody be able to Skype you if you don't have an account? Because then you're not going to have an account name, right? So you got to set up an account. The next thing you have to do, though, is find in the menus. You'll have to look around in the menus because they'll be different on different devices. But look in the menus for the words Skype credits, Skype credits. Oh, I know it sounds so scary. Oh no, they're gonna take all my money. No, it's it's very cool. I've been using it for like like seven or eight years now consistently. Now, and I have mine set up so that it doesn't. You know, I put like ten bucks in there and I just let it ride. And I said that if you run too low and I want to make some more, you know, calls to somebody's cell phone over in Indonesia or whatever, if you see me running too low, just go ahead and auto charge it back up to ten bucks more. So it doesn't just, you know, it's all very controllable. There's not. Here's the thing. We have people call in from Australia and do entire radio shows with us for under $2. Think about that. Very cool. It's a cool tool to have, period. And then when you have Skype credits, it's like ultra cool because now you can call phones, telephones. Well, one time I was help, helping out Sister Haley, uh, who's, uh, you know, just kind of like a shut-in over in Weymouth, uh, United Kingdom. And her building's management over there in Weymouth, they weren't coming to fix her boiler. And she was freezing. So I, you know, rolled up my sleeve and I pulled out my Skype and I used my Skype dialer and I called the management company that was running her building. And I said, listen, my name is John XYZ. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. Haley is my friend. She's over at such and such and such uh, road road, you know, unit number XYZ. And you guys manage that building. And that building is freezing cold. The boiler is not working. She's been trying to get somebody over there. And if you guys don't get over there and fix that thing right away, I am going to be on the phone with a lawyer and 
you're going to have hellfire brought down on y'all. And I would recommend that you don't test me on this because I meant it. And you know what? Within two hours, they had their top repairman over at Ailey's house. So I know, I know, that's, that's an extreme example, but nevertheless, it's very, very cool to take the time to set up Skype credits. And then when you want to call a phone number or a cell number instead of, you know, you can, of course, call other Skypers around the world for free, just like you can do with Facebook Messenger and everything else under the sun. But this has a dialer. So you can open up the dialer, which looks like a normal, normal phone pad, and you can dial you know what i'm saying and boom you can call the phone at 319-527-6010 and if you're calling from another country it would be zero one that gets you u.s country code three one nine five two seven six zero two zero zero one three one nine five two seven six zero and then you can call from Germany or whatever if you're having a sleepless night and you're, you know, in, you know, Armenia or whatnot, or the Ukraine for crying out loud. We need calls from the Ukraine. All right. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I did want to share with everybody that we got way, way more feedback that was, I mean, none of it was negative. All of it was positive, and some of it was resoundingly positive. So um, now the hard part is what I got to do. I got to market it. Because if I don't do a good enough job marketing it and, and people don't develop, you know, and just blow it off and just have a good time and just call it and they get nervous, see, that, that, that'll kill it. Because if you don't have any callers and you're just kind of sitting there twiddling your tongue talking about balloons on a, you know, <laughs> capturing lightning bugs and stuff, you know. So anyway, um, uh, praise God. So I did want to share that with you uh, because it, it might re really be fun. I think it'll be fun. It, it might add a little bit more of a touch of fellowship to the show where we can have – you know, some randomness and operation of the Holy Spirit being placed on people's hearts that they want to call and share things. And I really think it just could be a lot of it could be really enjoyable for for everybody involved. Anyway, praise God. So I'm going to do the best I can. But, you know, it can be hard. People are distracted. People want to listen to podcasts. They, they got work to do. They don't want to stay up that late. You know, all the bazillions of other things that could potentially lead to, you know, not enough color. So anyway, uh, we're going to give it a try. Um, but we don't know for sure if it's sustainable. So that, you know, that's where we're at right now. Now we're trying to determine sustainability. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Also, uh, since on the la on the Wednesday program, the last Wednesday, you know, the call-in show, there was a lot of discussion about Planet X and whether or not it was a, um, you know, solar system versus just a rogue planet kind of thing. Um, and I meant to play this audio bite because I believe, um, you know, this was kind of like grazed over, sort of, sort of, I will say sort of mentioned during the dialogue going back and forth about Planet X. And I wanted to play it during the program, but the way things went, um, it shifted the gear, you know, and we had to jump over to the new caller. But anyway... I wanted to go ahead and share this with you. Now, I'm not going to share the 15-minute and 83-second version of it, although I kind of would like to because I want to hear it myself. But I'll share with you the, the trimmed-down version. This one's only two minutes, two and a half minutes, uh, but, uh, but definitely worth hearing as a reminder. I want to try – I'm just going to try. I, I don't know where it's going to lead to, but I want to try to play one or two audio clips from the – archive 
of audio bytes that are no longer available anywhere in the world except Tribulation Now. And I'm not talking about this ain't no promotion thing. I'm not trying to get you to buy, you know, uh, hair cream or something. I, okay, this is just because we're blessed. We have audio bytes that have long disappeared into the internetosphere, whether they were censored or whether they were just taken down as stuff that was just archived, too old. But most of these, not maybe not all, but a lot of them are supremely relevant to the day that we are in right now. Because God will oftentimes prophesy and start warning his people about things 10 years in advance or more even. Don't even get me going on the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a whole other thing. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. But I'm going to go ahead and play this clip for you. This is um, this fellow who was – he was – he didn't show up very often, but when he did show up, it got a lot of attention because people just instinctively knew when they were listening to him that just the way he talked, it they just knew he was telling the truth. And so it attracted a lot of attention. Um, he His nickname that he used when he went on radio shows was Arizona. That's what he called himself. Uh, but evidently now, and, and by the way, uh, he he called you know he refers to himself as kind of like an an, an ex NASA you know insider. Well, it is it's, it's a fact that when this fellow Arizona started to show up on radio programs talking about what they were seeing in their telescopes at NASA as they were tracking Planet X. It is a fact that right around that time NASA had laid off several thousand contractors which added a lot of credibility dollars to this guy's testimony. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play the short version, this two-and-a-half-minute-long two and version of Arizona talking on a radio show about his activities uh, at NASA before the layoff uh, and how they were tracking in and what they saw. Here we go. Back in the 1950s, most people aren't aware of it, but there was a scientific storm in America all through the late 50s about this thing out there in space because the astronomers were all watching it, and that was back when they weren't afraid to talk about it. It was in the science magazines. I mean, I had a subscription to, like, Popular Science and Health. It was on the front cover of the magazine one day in, like, 1961. And uh, I was really excited when I saw it because here's this giant red planet on the horizon uh, of the California coast and a humongous tidal wave coming in towards the coast and having grew up in the mountains of uh, the Sierras and this thing in the magazine it said this tidal wave coming in was going to be at least three miles high and I went and showed it to everybody in the house and they laughed and they said look it says right here there's nothing to worry about it won't be here for another 50 years. Hey, guess what? That 50 years has came and gone, and uh, this baby's out there in the sky. They've been watching it. I watched it, and I can tell you, this thing has got so much trash coming around it. You know how we live in a solar system? We've got nine planets and a big sun. This right. thing has got seven planets and its own sun. But I believe that instead of having dirt on it like our planet does and water, I think this thing is just a big, uh, bright, reddish-orange iron ball because it's giving off all this red iron oxide dust out into the atmosphere. When we saw it, 
at first it was just a teeny little red speck of, of fuzzy red dust in the distance, but over the years as it went by and we watched it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally about 08, we could see this thing like it was across the street, and we could see that it was a blazing hot ball of fire giving out sparkles of red iron oxide dust for thousands of miles in every direction. And you can see the planet circulating it. Now, I'll tell you one thing that I really am nervous about. I think this thing's got a planet like ours circling it. This is its own solar system. We're about to have a solar system come through the middle of our solar system. This can't be good. But unfortunately, it looks as though that's what's going to happen. Hopefully, nothing in this mess will hit us even though it does say it will in the Bible, leastwise it does in my Bible, it says we can expect all kinds of problems. All right, praise God. So that's always interesting, and I would like to have a show where I'm able to play the whole 15-minute segment because there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, but also I wanted to share, just to give you an idea, some of the clips that we got over the years. I don't know if you remember the Charlie Hebdo incident where it was a mass shooting in France, and Charlie Hebdo, I believe, was some kind of a, a magazine or something like that where one of the uh, you know illustrators or whatever put a put some kind of a Muhammad cartoon in there. Well, anyway, supposedly that triggered the mass shooting. I'm sure I'm not positive I got the story exactly straight, but it was a big deal. It was all over the worldwide news, and it was you know they had all kinds of clips and things going on. But anyway, here's a 57-minute report. Listen closely to what they say. This is a reporter on the scenes in France. Uh, I believe they're reporting on behalf of the Times of Israel. And uh, listen to what they say in regard to this. He is a Paris-based American journalist for the Daily Beast. She's written about this, and she joins me from Paris. You talked, uh, Dana, to some of these French Muslims who say this was all a conspiracy. What do they mean? Well, um, I went out to what they call the suburbs of France, which are not what Americans think of as suburbs. They're really the housing projects. They're outside Paris, and there are a couple areas inside Paris where a lot of poor Muslims live. And I talked to a cross-section of mainly French-Algerian young men who said... It was pretty much, they felt, the attacks were actually a conspiracy by the Jews to make Muslims look bad. And they told me that they, one person told me that, in fact, they weren't just regular Jews that were doing this. In fact, they were a race of magical Jews, shape-shifting Jews that were master manipulators and could be everywhere at the same time. Gee, maybe uh, that would include Zelensky, who claims to be a Jew, Soros, who claims to be a Jew. <laughs> the Jews that were not Jews. Oh, my goodness. The revelations jumping off the Bible. Hallelujah. Anyway, on that note, kids, we're only going to get one quick joke for you guys tonight. Okay, kids? Is that all right? Because we want to try to stay on time for Sister Terry. All right, praise God. Here we go. All right, kids, two mice, wa- uh, two, two mice go into a music shop, and they say to the shopkeeper, like to buy a mouse organ, please. And the shopkeeper says, oh, that's funny. I just sold the last one to another mouse. And the, and oh, the mice say, and they said, that must have been harmonica. <laughs> Get it? Harmonica? Kids? You know, harmonica. Come on, kids. Come on, kids. Oh, you don't like that one? 
I took too much thought. Okay, maybe maybe it was a little heady. All right, all right, how about this? What makes music on your head, kids? What makes music on your head? I'll give you this one as a as a bonus. Think hard. Headband. <laughs> yeah. dun, 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 you know, a headband. <laughs> All, right. All right. I still think that other joke was kind of funny. You guys need to be a little bit more on your toes. Uh, coffee lattes for everybody over there, okay? G- come on. Get, get, get with it there. Come on, Spanky. Get the coffee lattes. All right. There we go. Venti lattes, by the way. Quad venti lattes for everybody. Okay, kids? All right. <laughs> Uh, chips off the old block, all those kids. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. On that note, let's go ahead and go into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as if it wasn't that we had enough Donald Trump stuff that indicates that quite possibly, and we'll see, uh, that maybe he gets reelected in 2024 and some of those prophecies, including the Simpsons prophecy uh, about him being in a coffin, comes true. Now, again, um, so if we look at the entire portfolio of these quote, coincidences, I'd refer to them as prophetic coincidences, Uh, in 2020, uh, in the early half, uh, first quarter of 2016, Bill Gates comes out. Now, this one's in the Hill, but it's in a very wide, you know, it just traveled across the world like lightning. And Bill Gates compares Donald Trump to JFK. Excuse me. All right. Praise God. And um, and I'm like, well, to JFK, well, why would – how does that work? And then when you know how the Illuminati creeps speak and code to one another, then it's you have this aha moment, right? All right. Well, then, of course, you have the dynamic, which I, I've repetitive, repetitively mentioned, uh, which is Fox News Town Hall with Donald Trump at the Lincoln Memorial that drew, drew, drew over 3.8 million viewers uh, with Brett Baer, et cetera. Uh, and um, that's so symbolic to have him sitting really at the feet of you know, Lincoln, right? So now you got the JFK connection, you got the Lincoln connection. Don't even get me going on the uh, uh, Ivanka Trump and, and or, or I'm sorry, uh, what's her name? His uh, wife. I'm just brain farting on that one right now. Excuse me, but I'm just anyway. Um, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. You know, it's one of those things that drives you nuts. But anyway, then you have the Simpsons prophecy, which um, uh, where it uh, says in this one particular, you know, it, it was uh, season eleven of the Simpsons, evidently. Um, and the name of it was Bart to the Future. And in there, they actually showed Donald Trump inside of a casket. So I find that interesting. But then just today, as I was going through the show notes news, I my eyes went boing, 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 and I'm like, no way. And right here it says in the mirror, which is the United Kingdom site, it says um, Iran is plotting to kill Donald Trump in an assassination plot according to intelligence leaks. Okay. So um, anyway, I could go in and put all the narrative, blah, blah, National Counterterrorism Center, this, that, and the other thing. General Qasim Soleimani is the reason, yada, yada, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, we can stitch that together. Those would be basic assumptions, really, for any of us. Now, 
uh, in the midst of that uh, headline, there's a new headline that's come out. Um, now, remember, it's it's in the muddle and the narrative of conflicting, you know, we know what we're dealing, you know, we have a pretty good idea of how the mass confusion that we're dealing with in the media right now. And it's it's very troubling and very difficult to discern what's true, what isn't. Da, da, da. I am hooking on to this particular. I believe this is true. The headline reads, Donald Trump looks to the fall launch for 2024, potentially upending the midterms. Now, if what I took away from this particular read was that I think the writer's intention was to imply that Donald Trump is intentionally waiting until the United States of Babylon the Great gets closer to the November midterms, you know, and then he comes out and, you know, makes his official you know announcement that he's going to run in 2024 because you know when you look at the fact that he can go into a stadium that has over 85,000 100,000 people sitting in the stands like with the Alabama uh, uh football game that I played the audio of the other uh show ago or whatever um you know there's no possible way to assume anything except a, a massive, massive, massive landslide uh, voting victory, which, of course, already happened. But, you know, we, we you know, 2000mules.com, I'll leave it at that. If you haven't seen 2000mules.com, chip up the 20 bucks and you won't regret it. Believe me, life changing. But anyway, um, I, I went ahead and bought the whole DVD and everything because um, I want all that stuff. I want to be able to see because they censor stuff, right? You know, so if I have it in a DVD, they can't censor it. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I have a hunch that he's going to become more verbose than ever before uh, as the fall midterms approach rapidly. And that probably will have a very dramatic effect on the uh, midterms. Um, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, anyway, we'll just go ahead and leave that at that. We don't, you know, we're just going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait and see how all this unfolds, and it is in God's hands. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And on that note, let's go ahead and move into the rest of the news, and then we'll bring on Sister Terry. All right. Praise God. Here we go. All right. I'll try again. There we go. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey may join BRICS very soon. Look at that. Turkey's, you know, threatening to pull out of NATO. It's turmoil over there, so you don't know what anybody's going to say at any given time. But if Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Turkey join BRICS, wow, <laughs> that is really big, especially because of the whole petrodollar deal, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, because the whole, the whole, really, the whole global petrodollar deal kind of revolves very much so around the Middle East, oil, and Saudi Arabia, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's why Donald Trump went over there and was doing that evil, dark, satanic, crystal black ball deal with uh, <laughs> the Saudis, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, this is very big news, and if it comes to fruition, uh, wow, where it could lead is astonishing um it would be very much a uh, prelude to uh world war three no doubt about that praise god thank you jesus next one up 
Emmanuel Macron, Illuminati extraordinaire. Government is defeated on vaccine passports. I'll give you the short version. So here's this guy. Couldn't be any more closer to the WEF and Klaus Schwab and all the shape-shifting entities from the bowels of Sheol that are running this world into the ground and trying to put the global reset and stick our arms full of all kinds of bioweapons and all this other creepy weirdness. He wanted to institute the passport, the digital passport, and they, the French, the French, everybody, the, the entire country voted him down. It was landslide. So that was a humongous defeat for the agenda of the WEF and the rise of the Fourth Reich. Hmm. However, do you think it'll last for very long? Mm, there's other headlines that indicate that it's not going to last long at all. All right, next one up. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, biggest donor, believes aliens are amongst us. Let's have a Jesus praise offering if you believe that that person's on to something. <laughs> yeah, looks like. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you guys are a lot more sparky than I thought. Hey, hey. Spanky, stop running through the crowd. Spanky. Oh, my gosh. That little kid's going to get me in so much. Oh. Doesn't say that Florida, you know, it doesn't say Ron DeSantis believes in aliens. It just says that Robert Bigelow is his biggest Las Vegas space entrepreneur. That, you know, so whatever. Um, I think everybody's about to be in a big surprise coming up real soon. Hallelujah. Here we go. Next one up. Fauci issues a warning on, oh, brother, monkeypox in the United States. Yeah. They're ramping it up, folks. Three days goes by, you got double the amount of reports. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to start instituting masks. New York City's going to start doing masks. They're going to start doing You know, the chatter starts going. You can hear the narrative rumbling its way up. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. And it's like, anyway, but, you know, did we not expect something? I mean, they tried to pull the uh, smallpox thing, but they got busted on the three vials that came out of the biohazard level uh, four uh, containment area, which they should never have been released from. So that was a blatant break, breaking of a federal law. And I would submit, well, unbelievable. Gates was busted. But, you know, of course, you know, just like Beck says, nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Uh, well, that's true. And, it's, and by the way, Glenn, it's not anymore. They never, ever have. <laughs> okay, so let's keep this straight. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Dock workers strike at German ports, demanding higher pay amidst soaring inflation. So they basically have no oil coming in. The LNG line on gas promised down because Trudeau hijacked a, a pump that was to be repaired, uh, you know, that Russia was doing in good faith so they could get LNG into Germany. Germany is talking about a situation where they're already planning on people, you know, starving and freezing this winter. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And then to top it all off, the dock workers in Germany are, 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 are protesting. So it couldn't get any worse for them and also many of the other countries that are over there. I had a conversation with somebody that met up with some, some folks from Austria. They were saying how bad it was over there. I read the letter on the, on the uh, a prayer vigil a couple of nights ago on the 15th. Um, I read a letter from a brother named Jose in Panama, and the situation down there is absolutely horrible. And I'm keeping it queued up here because I'm going to read it again. 
because I don't think we're getting the whole story. Well, I know as a fact we're not getting the whole story. I've been saying it all along. But, you know, when you do get – when you get a major, you know, testimony from somebody that's going through hell on earth, civil unrest, things like that, no access to medical, no access to food, you know, totally empty shelves, people marching in the streets, you know, you know, it's almost like the Venezuelan collapse and the, uh, even worse, the Argentinian collapse. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad stuff, and we're not hearing about it on the news. All right, next one up. Did you know that we have an admiral, Rachel L. Levine, who is a medical doctor? And she was appointed by, um, you know, the shape-shifting reptilian that refers to itself as Biden, as it's changing its depends in the middle of the night. Um, and, uh, and this entity has been placed in charge of the Department of Health and Human Services, Admiral. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I see this picture, other than the nausea that, that 15 gallons of peyokeo they can't put a dent in, what do you think the rest of the world looks at? You know, all this does is make them start loading more nukes on their TU-95s. They're like, look, we got to get rid of these. This is a cancer on here. They've been a cancer for decades, but you know what? They're really a cancer now. There's no, there's no salvaging anything that's left in that country. It's, it's gone. It's toast. And even they look at us, you know, and, and the things that we believe and the things that we're out there protesting about and stuff, and they're thinking the same thing. It's a waste. It's a lost cause. And then you see this. I don't even want to go there. All right, next one up. Fire scorched Spain and France and many other places, by the way, in the European Union, uh, where flames are even beginning to reach the beach. Now, I just want to know that as I, I want you to know, as I, as I was assembling the show notes for tonight, I cannot tell you how many, probably somewhere around seven or eight major articles talking about brush fires worldwide, of course, in the Northern Hemisphere and in, and in accordance to the incredibly hot temperatures. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, and, and also, I think, uh, a breakdown of the magnetosphere around the Earth in such a fashion that there are uh, solar um, emissions that are hitting our skins and making us feel like we're being cooked. A lot of people I've talked to said, yeah, no, 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 it's not just 104 feels like it's there's something else out there. We feel like we're in a microwave. We feel burning on our skin. This is not normal. Okay. And I couldn't agree more. I felt it myself. All right. Next one up. Health experts quit. So there's a whole bunch. Evidently, it's enough for them to make a big deal out of it in these various articles. This is only one of several. But evidently, there's quite entourage of health experts that are quitting the CDC the National Institute of Health, and more, the FDA. The, and it says, amidst low morale, fostered by what they call bad science, frustrated and alarmed experts with the NIH, the CDC, and the FDA are quitting, creating serious staff shortages, according to Johns Hopkins University and Professor Dr. Marty Macari. Now, now, Johns Hopkins is independent to some degree of these agencies, which makes this even more viable. Pretty alarming. I just wish it was, I don't know, I, w I, I don't know. I wish they'd drown them all up and do what Glenn Beck said, you know, but whatever. What are you going to do? Uh, Father, here we are, please, in the name of Jesus. Okay, next one up. 
Texas and Central Plains could see their hottest temperatures of the summer coming this next week, by the way. So, again, if it isn't insane enough as it is now, uh, they're, you know, saying Oklahoma, Panhandle, Central and Southern Plains, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, the list just goes on and on. I, you know, they're basically saying what you're seeing right now, the drying up of the water supplies, uh, you know, the point that Lauren had made about how the water supplies and tables are, are actually interconnected to some degree, which they are, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, this is not looking real good. Now, I don't know about, you know, there's a lot of fuss about, you know, oh, this is all going to break bad in the beginning of August. The first week of August is going to be really, really bad. I mean, there were even some like, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase type CEOs saying, yeah, by by the time fall comes around, it's going to be a hurricane. This ain't going to be a financial storm. This year is going to be a hurricane. That's what this is. You know, and and, um, so there's an awful lot of voices out there coming from many different diversities and specializations, and they have have mentioned more than once the fall with a with a noteworthy number of them actually pointing to the first week of September. But what does that mean? All I can tell you is in the last 11 years, any time, I don't care if it was an Illuminati. I don't care if it was a CIA whistleblower. I don't care who it was. Any time they ever mentioned a date, a week, a month, whatever, it didn't happen. Is this the first time it will? No, no. Next headline up. Breitbart News reports that the World Health Organization activates monkeypox emergency panel as case numbers soar. There any takers out there? Anybody who's going to sell the farm on this one? (laughs) Yeah. It's unbelievable. They're claiming 9,200 cases in 63 countries. Now, that might sound like a lot, but when you do the math, it's just not, you know. But you know how people are. It's it's, it's going to go right back to where we are all dreading it might. All right, next one up. World Health Organization chief urges governments to bring back face masks, heaven forbid. And Los Angeles may be the first, you know, state to comply. But, of course, New York City will not be outdone when it comes to things like masks. So those, they're already getting, getting ready to institute inside of any buildings, yada, yada, blah, blah. We've been there, done that. Whatever. Here we go again. All right. But we all we've been talking about this. We everybody hypothesized about it. And and looks like those hypotheses were correct. Next one up. COVID-19 mask to return, German minister says. So here we got it going on across the world. If it's happening in Germany, it's happening in other states, happening in South America, it's happening all over the place. I don't even get me going on one of the regular listeners and a personal friend of mine who listens to the show pretty regularly and what his wife is telling him. Okay, I will spare you that. But that, let me tell you something. Talk about trials and tribulations. Next one up. Hallelujah. London failing. Britain's military decline exposes NATO's collapse in credibility and capability. So basically, the moral of the story, I could go into it. Uh, Secretary General of North Atlantic Treaty Organization, Jen Spollenberg, uh, you know, recently announced the U.S.-led military bloc's goal of expanding its so-called uh, response force uh, from 40,000 to 300,000. So basically, without getting into all the numbers, really what it's saying is what we've already been talking about, which is because of the amount of technology, money, and war machine equipment that have been given to, you know, Zelensky's Jews that are not Jews. What you've got is anarchy. 
Okay, fraud, it's unbelievable. And and of course, it's upsetting Russia, what, what, 100 times worse than they were before? So, you know, but the point of this article is to let you know that that the Illuminati master plan is to take down the West, to take down UK, Europe, and the United States, Australia. All these Western restrictive WEF forthright countries need to be brought to their knees. And why are they? So guess what's happening? If you give away all your military stuff, see, and don't even forget about the the, the pullout in in, uh, in in Afghanistan and the billions of dollars of military equipment that was left behind there on purpose. Next one up, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Era of Western dominance is ending. This is by now. This is definitely a shapeshifter. I have had direct reports that that this individual has been seen as, you know, in his uh, Windsor Castle-like form. So Blair is definitely one of them. Okay, the the absolute seeding evil, creepy, crawly things, you know, like that. So when he's coming out and he's telling the world that he believes that the era of Western dominance is ending, that coming from him on the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate's Board of Directors, that is a supremely noteworthy statement. All right? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Khamenei's advisor from the Jerusalem Post says that Tehran is now capable of building nuclear bombs. Are we doing anything? Good question, right? Germany won't survive the winter without Russian gas, according to officials. The list just goes on and on. Um, I checked the uh, disaster um, alert uh, application again, and oh, my goodness gracious sakes alive, it's about four times more lit up than it was even last year. No surprise there. There are shortages at food banks. We knew that was coming. It happened a little bit during the pandemic period, but it's going to be really jumbo horrible. Uh, You know, what's happening now is in the United States, the supermarkets are hiding the absolute of a lot of product that they would normally have by doing what's called specialized facing of product. So they're spreading the products that they do have across larger areas of the shelving to make it appear as if they're not empty. Um, uh, it's just, here's a Dutch dairy farmer, it's, you know, uh, Netherlands again, uh, that, that's being told to get rid of 95% of his cows to cull them. Um, it just goes on and on. Farmers protesting in Italy, Spain, uh, Poland, and, uh, and, and now join the Dutch. These are major, major protests. I mean, it's just absolutely astonishing. So anyway, um, and again, New York City has set up clinics for vaccinating against, yes, you've guessed it, the monkeypox. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, on that note, let's get some edification, some great anointed uh, teachings from Sister Terry Hill. I know we all love it when she joins us, and I am uh, certainly at the top of that list. Praise Jesus. So let's go ahead and bring her on tonight uh, to share with us uh, the title of a message, The Rocks Are Crying Out. Hallelujah. And also, just so you know, she has it on a word in do, D-U-E season.com she has her show notes usually uh, posted on there almost you know invariably and then um, I also repost them on tribulation-now.com tribulation-now.org in a link it's the white text on top of the black that's where the links are and you'll see one that says show notes 
And it's at the top. Oh, no, 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 no. She has her. I forgot. I gave her her own page. It just says Terry Hill. Just look for the link that says Terry Hill, and you'll see her very detailed scriptural kind of like follow-along notes, uh, which are awesome because when you go back and listen to the program a second time, you really – uh, get to deep dive into the scripture and have a deeper understanding of the overarching message. Message. So praise God. So let's go ahead and bring her on right now. Praise God. Sister Terry, are you there? I'm here, John. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you good. Praise God. So, well, you don't have to practice for this, so I'm just going to go ahead and bow out and let you go ahead and take over, lead with the prayer. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And listen to this powerful message. And I'm excited that you're here again. Thank you, Terry, very much on behalf of everybody. Thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you for having me, John. And Blessings and hugs to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I pray for you. I seek the Lord, and I ask him to bring something that is timely, that would help to build us up and to strengthen us and edify us and um, comfort us during this time. So let's open with prayer if we could do that. Father, once again, we come before you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. We thank you, Lord God, that... Jesus reminds us, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we know that your will is your word. And we know that our Savior is the word who was made flesh and he dwelt among us. So we ask that you would open up your word tonight for us, sir, that you would help us to hear what you would have to say, that it would make sense, that it would be clear, and that it would um, bring some understanding of where we are and um, in your timetable and uh, what you would have to say to us. And so, Father, we do commit this all tonight into your hands for the glory and honor and majesty of the one we lift up. And you said, sir, if I be lifted up, that I would draw all men unto you. So, Father, that's what we desire to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, the rocks are crying out, beloved. The rocks are crying out and... Uh, it's interesting how these messages come together. I basically just go through the word if I'm prompted with a phrase or with a thought. And uh, it seems that the Lord continues to impress things uh, upon me, even up to the time that I bring the message to you on a Sunday night. And I have to share with you one of the cool things he reminded me of, because Jesus speaks to us through our everyday circumstances, where we live and things we see and hear. He reminded me, I was just impressed with this thought. This is the thought that went through my mind. Remember the rock collection that your brother had when you were children. So I know as children, we often have collections. We like to collect things, and certainly adults like to collect things. But I do remember that my brother was a rock collector. And one of the things I also remember seeing in the rock collections, and if we would go to a museum or the Natural Science uh, Museum of um, uh, whatever it was, Natural Sciences, I remember looking at a rock called a goad, a geode. It's spelled G-E-O-D. Now, a geode is a really uh, rough-looking, round rock 
but it actually contains a hollow center in it. And having seen a geode, um, probably some of you know what I'm talking about, uh, if you look at this geode on the outside, it looks like a really uh, normal-looking kind of rock. I mean, like I said, it's kind of bumpy and lumpy. It's not much to look at. But if you hit it with a hammer or break it open, there's something on the inside that is absolutely spectacular. Uh, a geode has a hollow center, and the ones that I remember seeing as a child were lined with purple crystals. So geodes are found in different places in the world, but I was reminded of <clears throat> how Jesus also has a rock collection. He has some living stones that he is gathering together because there is a temple of living stones that are being prepared because uh, there's a people who are going to rule and reign with Christ one day. And right now, what we're being subjected to, <clears throat> uh, the tribulations and the distress and the trials and the things that my brothers and sisters are going through and those that we talk to seem to be going through some of the most intense, testings that they've ever endured through their lives. And I'm reminded that Jesus builds his people from within. <clears throat> he told us that the kingdom is within us. So his workmanship right now is aimed at conforming his children into the very image of the Son of God. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to share with you the rock collection that the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance. And he reminds us you know, we might look at our lives or people might look at us and think, wow. <laughs> and even for myself, I say, boy, Lord, we've got a lot of work to do here. I mean, it doesn't look like much, but the Lord reminds us he sees what's on the inside. And when the hammer of his word is applied to that outer old nature, I'm telling you what, when it is opened, there's something glorious within. And one of these days uh, when our Savior appears, uh, we're going to burst open, and the glory that's been on the inside of us will be seen and known to all. And so to him be the glory. I'm so grateful that I can share that with you. I want to start by reading something out of the book of Daniel. Uh, again, if any of you would like show notes or if you would like uh, me to pray for you, uh, my husband and I pray for the prayer requests that come in, you can reach me <clears throat> at a word in due season. 777 at gmail.com. <clears throat> so I don't want to forget, if you want show notes, if you want prayer, um, please feel free to contact me. Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2, starting at, thir at verse 31. Now, in this portion of scripture, <clears throat> Daniel is interpreting the king's dream. And I want to read this, starting at verse 31. This is Daniel saying, You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. And that statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold. Its breast and its arms were made of silver. Its belly and its thighs were made of bronze. Its legs were made of iron. Its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Verse 34. And you continued looking until a stone. Now notice this. Until a stone which was cut out without hands, struck the statue on its feet of iron clay and crushed them. 
Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, so not a trace of them was found. But the stone, praise God, that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Beloved, there is a stone that becomes a great mountain, and that great mountain will be the kingdom that Jesus himself will personally set up when he returns and sets his foot on the Mount of Olives. And this kingdom will fill the whole earth. You know, when we read about the symbols and the um, types and shadows in scripture, we know that often rocks and stones were symbolic of people. The scripture tells us Jesus is our rock. He is the stone that the builders rejected. Uh, the word of God tells us that. And also in the book of Numbers, we find out, and in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote it down. This spiritual rock was with God's people in the wilderness. And this rock provided spiritual food and drink for God's people. All right, so this stone, okay, the Lord Jesus Christ strikes and crushes the statue, the very image of men's kingdoms. And that includes the Antichrist kingdom. Now, when we talk about Antichrist, we know there are many Antichrists in the world. We know that spirit is already at work and sadly has in many places entered Christendom. And the Lord Jesus is wanting to remove the influence of the wicked one within his own people. Now, certainly any one of us who comes to faith in Christ, confessing our sin and uh, are born from above at that moment, are legally uh, made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we have a legal standing in that we are justified through the finished work of the cross, but the work has just begun. We now must walk out and work out our salvation in fear and trembling, and the very righteousness of Christ begins to work in us, but God is looking for the righteousness to be produced in our own lives as well. So we are cooperating with him. Now, the Antichrist kingdom is coming down. It's going to be broken to pieces. Every kingdom, all the gold, all the silver, all the brass, the iron, and the clay uh, mixed with the iron, all of these kingdoms are coming down. And Jesus put this in his book for us so, so we could see and understand that these kingdoms of men will endure for a time. And we also know from scripture that it's the seed of the woman that bruises the head of the serpent. We know that word serpent is nakash. And that's uh, something that Brother John has talked about quite a bit. Now, when we also look at Goliath, who is a type of Antichrist, he was the champion of the Philistines. Again, Antichrist will emerge as the champion of Satan. He will be personally filled with and possessed by Satan. He is called the son of perdition, the same term that was used for Judas Iscariot. Now, when Goliath mocked God's people, we know the story of David who stepped in and took his sling and his stones, knocked Goliath down with a stone. He was struck in the head by a rock, fell down. David cut off his head. Now, we know the Lord Jesus Christ is the son of David, all right? And God's promise to his people was the seed of David would sit on the throne and rule from Jerusalem. So 
what we have to understand is this these kingdoms are have not yet come to an end and by the way the kingdom of the giants is coming down all right now david killed goliath but his seed was still in the land okay now jesus being the son of david defeated satan at the cross the enemy was mortally wounded but his seed still remains in the earth and when he returns there will be a cleanup operation. The scripture tells us in Second Samuel that it was David and his mighty men that actually cut off the seed of the giant. And our Savior will do that as well. He will come with his mighty men in a cleanup operation, and he will cut off that seed. And for, praise God, a thousand years, for a thousand years during the Messianic kingdom, Satan being the serpent, meaning he's the deceiver, and the dragon being the persecutor will be bound for a thousand years. But until that time, beloved, the indignation has to run its course. I want to read something to you in Isaiah 26 now. Isaiah 26. Okay, Isaiah 26, verse 20, says this. Come, my people, enter into your rooms. Close the doors behind you. Hide yourself for a while until the indignation runs its course. So what we are now living in is that gap of time that Jesus described. I want to share something with you, um, and you can look at it later. You can turn to it later. But in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 17 and 19, Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he read from the scroll of Isaiah in the temple one day. And he read Isaiah 61, 1 through the first part of verse 2. When he read from the scroll of Isaiah, he described his first coming when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And he talked about the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus was talking about there and reading was about his first coming. And the fact that he said that God's showing favor. This is the grace of God through the forgiveness of sins, which is salvation, obtained through his sacrifice, conquest of death. But he only read the first part of Isaiah 61, verse 2. Why? Because he was trying to explain, and he handed the scroll back to the attendant in the temple. He said, this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing? And the scriptures tell us he sat down and every eye was fastened on him. He didn't finish the entire second verse of Isaiah 61 verse 2 because he was talking about his first coming. This was a season of God showing favor, offering salvation to the Jews and to those, the acceptable year of the Lord. But the part that says the vengeance of our God described in the second half of the verse in Isaiah 61-2 was not read by Jesus that day because it pointed to a future day, the day of the Lord. So he was, it's interesting, when the living word enters the temple, okay, as Jesus did that day, he went into the temple. He is the living word. He is the very son of God in the midst of the people. And he tried to explain to them this day, Is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? He sat down because he knew that the vengeance of our God would come at a later time. So you and I are living in that gap of time between Isaiah 61, 1 to 2, the first and the second parts of verse 2. So the day of the Lord is coming. 
And the restrainer, who is the Holy Spirit, it's a restraining work of the Holy Spirit and certainly the people of God who are carriers and containers of the Holy Spirit, the time will come when he will cease to restrain. And that's 2 Thessalonians 2. However, in the meantime, we need to understand that there will be a shattering of the power of the Holy P. 12.7 talks about that. Now, let me try to explain that. The Lord will always be within the hearts of his people. He promised us that in Hebrews 13.5. However, the day comes he will no longer restrain or prohibit the full expression of evil, which will be the power of Satan, which allows the Antichrist to come to obtain power and position. Okay? And so we can read about what happens when he steps in and is Uh, uh, the Antichrist is fully possessed by Satan. But in the meantime, we're in a gap of time. And it seems to me, I am in agreement, it seems as though the hand of God is being pulled back when we see a worldwide pandemic, when we see the escalation of events, when we see the intensity, when we uh, read about the chaos and the civil unrest, what's happening all across the world, not just in some nations, but in many nations, we know that the kingdom is at hand. Okay, so having said that, what about you and me, brothers and sisters? Where do we fit into all of this? What is God doing in us? We can look and see what's happening in the world. We can try to study and follow um, prophecy, which we do, which Jesus told us to do. He wants us to be awake. But what is God doing in his people right now? And, and I asked him, I said, Father, what does this have to do when you talk about a rock? Could you please explain to me? And this is what I heard. My people must willingly fall on the rock. And Hosea talks about that, all right? And Jeremiah 23, 29 says, that his word is like a fire and a hammer, it shatters a rock. So if we're hearing God's message when his word is being preached, when the book is being opened, when the living word steps into his temple, he begins to explain what he is doing and what he is saying, what is for now and what is for later. So he definitely is opening his book. And when the stone falls on those who reject them, the scripture says they're going to be crushed into powder and scattered like dust. As we cooperate with the Lord in the midst of pain and tribulation, and beloved, I don't have a single friend or brother and sister in Christ that I don't know is under, is not under some kind of intense pressure. And I mean intense. I mean God is rocking the boat. He takes us way outside of our comfort zone. It becomes very uncomfortable at times. It's really hard. And then it seems like we have a respite and we try to catch our breath and something else happens and we're hit from some other direction. But in the meantime, when, when we're seeing these things happen all around us, God is at work in us. What he's doing is he's removing some things in us and he's adding other things. And Second Peter 1, 5 and 8 talks about that. Because I asked him, what are you doing in us, Lord? How do we cooperate? How is it that we can, in fact, help to hasten the coming in the Lord? Lord, help us to cooperate with you because we want you to come back. We want to finish our course. But, Father, help us 
So what the Lord showed me is in Jeremiah 1, but I'm going to read something to you in Second Peter, because what, he's, what the Lord is having to do is remove some things in our lives that we may not see. There are some hidden things within us. So he is going to remove some things, and he's going to add other things. Now notice what he's going to add. I'm going to read this to you in Second Peter, starting um, chapter 1, verse 5. Besides this, okay, Peter's talking about God's people being partakers of the divine nature. Okay, so we're born again. Okay, praise God. We're justified by his grace. But notice what, he, what uh, Peter's saying. He said, beside this, diligence and add to your faith virtue. Now, that word virtue is moral excellence. So he's looking for some character. He wants some moral excellence. He wants us to to be separated from things that are immoral, what we see, uh, what we involve ourselves with, all right? So we're going to add. Add to your faith virtue, and then to virtue, add knowledge. What? Knowledge of him and his word, right? Knowledge. To knowledge, add temperance, self-control. So we're going to be given opportunities to lose our temper. We're going to be given opportunities to have temper tantrums and become angry, But we're going to pick up that cross and deny that old man and say, no, uh, I'm going to respond in love. I'm going to respond and not react in a way that doesn't glorify the Father. So these are things he's adding to us, okay, to knowledge, temperance, okay, and to temperance, patience, perseverance, continuing to persevere when it's really hard, continuing to persevere when we don't know what tomorrow looks like, when we don't have clear direction, when we don't know how our needs will be met, when we don't know what's going to be the end result of the conflict we see in our families or in our churches or in our ministries or in our business, okay? And we have to add something else. He's going to add this, patience, okay? Add godliness and brother, excuse me, brotherly kindness. So that means we're going to have opportunities to have disagreements with our brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? We're all going to have different perspectives. We're all in a different place in our walk, and some are not going to treat us kindly. I think we all know that, but he is going to add this virtue of his nature, kindness. So he's going to give us opportunities over and over and over again, and he said, Then to add to this, brotherly love, kindness, and charity. So here we are. There will be some things that he is going to have to remove, and he's going to expose things in us, beloved, that we haven't seen have been there all along. All right? Now I want to read to you from um, Jeremiah 1, 8 to 10. Jeremiah 1, 8 to 10. And in Jeremiah... 1, 8 to 10, he makes it really clear to us. He's, he's saying there, there are some things that need to come down, all right? He's going to remove some things and add some other things. So when he brought this word to Jeremiah, Jeremiah reports, he said, I've come and my message is going to help root out. So uh, he's going to root out some things. He's going to pull down some things. He's going to destroy some things. He's going to throw down other things. 
And guess what? Then he can build and he can plant. So let's talk about this for a minute, okay? Here's the thing. We cling to old mindsets and we don't even know it. We think in ways that we should not think, and Jesus wants us to have the mind of Christ, but we'll have the mind of Christ as we pray and as we meditate in his word, as we ask him to help us renew our mind. But we have to cooperate. Friends, if we're not reading God's word, we're not doing our part, okay? So we have old mindsets, we have wrong practices, and in many ways, God's people look very much like the heathen nations that live around us. So he has to root out, and that literally means he has to pluck up by the roots anything planted in you and in me, which is opposing God's nature and his kingdom. So any deep entrenchments or attachments that have been planted by the enemy must be rooted out. And the axe now is being laid at the root of the tree. There are curses that have been passed into family lines, and you will see certain sins move from father to son to grandson and so on. So these are generational things. And these are things that Jesus said if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law and we take the acts of God's word, we cut those things off and say, I refuse to fall under this generational curse and ask him if there are things in your life, in the lives of your family members and of your loved ones, if you see habitual practices of sin and different things that have occurred in your family. So Jesus, if we're honest with him and ask him, Father, please show me, please show us, Lord God, anything that's been planted within me by the enemy that is found a lodging place that is taking root and growing in me. Now, beloved, we can still be born again and saved, and I believe filled with the Holy Spirit, but these things can still be lying within us, and they can hinder, right? Another thing you said that they'll have to do is going to have to do some pulling down. So the pulling down has to do with anything that is man-made, all right? Man-made and fashioned from my own will, my own efforts, my own tools, saying this is what I choose to do, this is what I have built, what I have made, but these things have to come down. Here's the thing. The problem with every one of us, we're born self-centered, right? It's all about me, myself, and I. But Jesus wants to remove those things so that King self is not sitting on the throne of the heart. That belongs to him. See, we've been bought with a price, and he has earned the right and has paid the price for him to be Lord and Master. So things that we have built after our own name, by our own efforts, if the word of God is clear, unless the Lord builds the house, right, they labor in vain that build it. So God has to pull some things down in us and things that we think we're entitled to or we've worked so hard for something, the Lord may just literally cut it off and say, we're going in another direction. I love you, but you have to trust me because this is something that you have built and it's either out of season, beyond what I was doing in the past. Now we're going to go this other direction. So the pulling down is a part of what he's doing in us now, okay? He's going to pull some things down. He's going to root out some things 
when he physically returns. But right now, that's centered in the, uh, in the hearts of his own people. He says he has to destroy some things. So he's going to destroy that which opposes his nature, his character, and his own design. So the character of Christ must be developed, okay? Then he's going to throw some other things down. Wow, you talk about upheaval, okay? The world is going to see an incredible upheaval. But right now, for many of God's people that I'm in touch with, the upheaval is happening now in their lives. The upheaval is happening now in their businesses. The upheaval is happening now in their marriages and in their families and in their health. So the throwing down means to pull down into pieces and to break. So what he's breaking is the influence of every other false image, okay? False concepts, idolatry, altars, what we bow to, what we think we're entitled to, what we trust in, any other image, beloved, that is not based upon the image of Christ, his work, his character, his nature is coming down. He's throwing this stuff down. Now, that may help to explain why we wake up one day and it seems like our whole life has changed and we think, wow, how did that happen? Now, in the meantime, as these other things are coming down again, then he begins to build, all right? So Jeremiah 1, 8, and 10 describes several things. First, there's a rooting out. Then there's a pulling down. Then there's a destroying of that which opposes him. There's a throwing down. But then he begins to build. Praise God. The new creation is constructed within. And, beloved, all of us are under construction, okay? And so sometimes when people are removed from our lives or things that we've held dear to us, uh, businesses, careers, or or even ministries, work that we have poured our lives into, work that we believe he's been guiding and directing us, and I believe, in fact, he has. Sometimes he says, We're done with that. Now we're going in this direction, all right? So the new creation, you and I, are being constructed on the inside. It's being fashioned according to the image of the biblical pattern, which is Jesus Christ. So he's planting in us his vineyard. We are, in fact, his vineyard. And he's looking for fruit, beloved. He's looking for fruit. The Lord Jesus Christ is raising up living stones. He himself is the chief cornerstone, and he's building a temple of living stones. Now, I want to take you into the book of Genesis for a minute, and I want to show you something. And we're going to see here that there is nothing new under the sun, that that, in fact, which was transpiring in Genesis 11, we're seeing uh, something from the past, being replayed in the very day in which we live. We are seeing that the Lord Jesus Christ himself builds his city, his altar, his temple with living stones. But we're also seeing something else that's being constructed. We are seeing a tower and a city being built that was intended to magnify man and preserve the unity of the race. So I want to read something to you in Genesis 11. And let's start at verse 2. It came to pass, as the people journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. 
They dwelt there, and they said to one another. Now notice, they said this is something we're going to build and do. There's no mention of the Lord God Almighty, okay? They said, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick instead of stones. So they used bricks instead of stones, and they used slime for mortar. That word uh, in the original um, language in Hebrew means like a tar, okay? And verse 4 says, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top may reach to heaven. Let us make ourselves a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Verse 5 says, the Lord God came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. Now notice, the scriptures are clear. Jesus builds his temple, his altar, his city with living stones. But men, in their own foolishness, apart from God, are building their own city. But their city and their towers are being built with bricks. Now, bricks are man-made. And um, in 1 Kings 19, we see that Elijah built an altar of stones. And we know the story of um, the stones were set in place, the wood was laid in place, the fire fell, the water was poured out. But the point that I'm making here is we're seeing this happen now. We are seeing those who are building their own city, the beast system, in fact, being built and coming together You and I depend on the word of God. That's the living word of God, the book of life. They, in fact, have their own books, such as these are their concepts that they derive in which they build their tower and city. For example, one of them being the World Order book by Ralph Epperson. Another being The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. Another being The New World Order by H.G. Wells. Another being The Great Narrative by Klaus Schwab. These are just a few of the books that we know um, describe what men have conceived to be what they want, their new world order. And their bricks, I want to talk about the bricks a minute. Uh, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to share this with you. The bricks that they are using, okay, and the individuals within these systems and names For example, these BRICs we could call the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, the World Trade Organization, BlackRock, interesting name, isn't it? The biggest investment fund in the world, BlackRock, the 2030 Vision, a BRIC with which they plan to build, the World Health Organization, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which we know as NATO, and they use World Economic Summits to come together. And all of these are pushing for ESG, the environmental social justice. They're all pushing for and beginning to discuss in their summit meetings global digital identity, sustainable development goals, social credit scores for individuals and also corporations, and also, of course, the transhumanism agenda. What I've described, I believe, I was impressed by the Holy Spirit, this is what their bricks look like, and their tech overlords, 
the global elites all working hard to push to make themselves a name, to build a tower that reached to the heavens. All right, so we're seeing that contrast. And even in the days of Genesis, the Lord came down and they were scattered, all right? And the time is coming when the Lord will say that is enough. What we're seeing right now is the Lord is raising up some stones and others are being thrown down. But the city that man in his own foolishness under the direction of these entities in the earth, these kingdoms, beloved, are coming down. But right now as you and I are here and we're observing this and we're beginning to see famine uh, emerging in greater ways and in a wider scope, and it will certainly continue. But another thing that God is doing in his own, uh, among his own people, is that some stones are raised up and others are thrown down. And so what I would like to do is I'd like to take you into Luke's gospel and read to you Luke chapter 3. And check this out. This is where John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness. All right, so the ministry that is preparing the way of the Lord is very similar at the first coming of Jesus as the ministry that's helping to prepare for the second coming of the Lord. The message will be the same. It will be the spirit of Elijah who builds with stones, calls for repentance, the spirit of John the Baptist who certainly calls for a baptism of repentance. Here's verse 3 of Luke 3. And he, John, came into the district around the Jordan. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Beloved, repentance is foundational. The forgiveness of sins comes only through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That messenger is being heard around the world where the true remnant church is speaking truth because it's calling for repentance, all right? Now notice what it says in verse um, 4. As it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley or ravine will be filled up. Every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked places are going to be made straight. The rough roads are going to be made smooth. And all flesh will see it. And verse 7 says, John began to say to the multitudes. Now, again, in this group of multitudes were the religious community. Uh, Some of the Pharisees, some of the priests came out, some of the Sadducees, some of them out of curiosity came out to the desert to figure out who this John the Baptist guy was and what exactly he was doing because he was creating quite a stir among the temple crowds, okay? So John began to say to the multitudes who were going out to be baptized by him, now notice what he says, you brood of vipers, all right? Sounds to me like the seed of the serpent, doesn't it? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8 says, therefore, bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to from these stones, from these rocks, to raise up children to Abraham. John was basically saying, see the multitudes here? 
And you chief priests, you think that you are um, Abraham's father, you are our father is Abraham. But John was saying uh, God is able to raise up from the individuals in this multitude, the multitudes of people, these rocks and stones can be raised up to become children of Abraham, certainly who is the father of all believers. Amen. Now go with me, please. I'm going to read to you out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, starting at verse 39. Now, the context here is Jesus uh, is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, all right? And so he's coming in on the colt, and the Lord has been placed on the colt, and Jesus was sitting on it. And as he was riding upon the colt, the people were spreading their garments in the road. Okay, so that's the context of what I'm about to read to you. And scripture says in verse 37 of Luke 19, Jesus was approaching the descent of the Mount of Olives. And the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, here we go, the religious community once again, said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, they were getting excited. They were noisy. They were ecstatic to see this great man riding in on a colt. And they wanted to make him king. Okay? They wanted to make him their king, but it wasn't time. Now notice what Jesus says in verse 40. Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the very rocks or stones will cry out. Hallelujah. And then verse 41 says, when he approached, he saw the city and began to weep over it. He says, if you had known this day, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. The days are coming. Your enemies are going to throw up an embankment around you and surround you. They're going to hem you in on every side, verse 44. They're going to level you to the ground and your children with you. And they will not leave on you one stone upon another. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Beloved, there are times when nations and cities and families and individuals are visited by the Lord. And Jesus said right here, he said, see this temple that you say is so great, and the disciples talked to Jesus about it. He said, I tell you, not one stone is going to be left upon another. Now, he was talking about the events of 70 A.D., but, beloved, there's more to it, all right, than just this one event that was fulfilled in 70 A.D. Jesus is making it clear. There won't be one stone left upon another. You didn't recognize the day of your visitation. And so those who don't recognize the day of their visitation, when the Lord is moving, when he's moving in a congregation, when he's moving among a family, when a a crusade comes to town, when an evangelist comes to town, when one of God's people shares the gospel message, gives them a tract, shares their testimony. Jesus says those who don't recognize that day of visitation are going to be brought to desolation. So some stones are being raised up and others are coming down. Now, it's interesting that the temple religious authorities, okay, Jesus said they were corrupt and blind, right? 
He said they were blind leaders of the blind. They did not, could not recognize because they didn't believe Moses. He said, if you had read Moses, the law and the prophets, you would know who I am. But they couldn't see it. Why? I believe they were blinded by their own pride in part. So the Lord is certainly wanting to uproot any pride, any arrogance, anything in us that would uh, cause us to be blind to the things of the Lord or blind to the days we're living in. May God give us eyes to see. Father, have mercy on us. Help us to remove the beam out of our own eye so that we can help our brother and sister remove the splinter out of their eye. You see, these authorities looked for someone to get rid of the unjust civil rulers. They wanted the Romans out of the way, and many Jews, in fact, the majority of them, were looking for a political savior who would deliver them from the tyranny of the Jews. But guess what? Instead of God getting rid of those Romans, God got rid of them. All right, the Lord got rid of those religious people. And again, Jesus casts some stones away and he gathers others together. Ecclesiastes 3, 5, there's a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to gather stones and a time to cast away stones. And so we see the chief cornerstone who in fact becomes a great mountain in the earth. We see him beginning as the lowly uh, son of David, or excuse me, the son of Joseph who came the first time as a sacrifice for sin when the acceptable year of the Lord, the favor of God was revealed when the kingdom of God was in their midst. He came the first time to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin, but he's coming again as the king of David or the son of David. First, yes, rightly, they saw him, wanted to make him king, but it wasn't time, beloved. So we are living between that gap of time of his first coming and his second coming. And so while we see these things occurring in the world in which we live, it is an opportunity for the Lord to perfect us. And yes, the rock will have its work upon us. His word beloved, is like a fire. It's like a hammer, and it's going to shatter some things in our lives, kind of like that geode I talked to you about. It'll crack that thing open, but there's something beautiful on the inside, and you would never know. You know, again, when we look at ourselves and we think, oh, God, am I ever going to be conformed into the image of the sun? God, you have so much work left to do in me and in our brethren and in the church. Be at rest. Be at peace, beloved. He which began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. And another thing that I think is really wonderful, the overcomer is given a white stone with a new name. In biblical days, if a person was convicted of a crime, they would appear before a judge. And if they were acquitted of whatever crime uh, that they were have said to committed, if they were forgiven, they were given a white stone. If their crime, if they were found to be guilty of their crime, they were given a black stone. I think it's interesting that BlackRock is the name of the biggest investment fund in the world that, of course, is partially funding some of the things that we are seeing unfolding before our very eyes. To him be the glory. You know, Jesus talked about uh, the language of seismology and obstetrics. Okay, so we're talking about, when we talk about 
seismology. We're talking about earthquakes in diverse places. We're talking about upheaval, uh, volcanic activity, and so on and so forth. And also obstetrics. For those of you ladies who have had children, you'll understand this. It describes the upheaval and the travail prior to Christ's return. Now, we know that these things are talked about in uh, Matthew 24 and other places in Revelation 6. We read about the woman who's in travail because, beloved, I'm telling you, that man-child is coming. He is going to be born. First, Jesus came, but I'm telling you, there will be an overcoming son who will be caught up as well. And what I'm talking about right now is in seismology, now we see, for example, I live in earthquake country, and we've, I've lived through a lot of earthquakes here in Southern California. And often there are smaller earthquakes that lead up to a larger earthquake, okay? But with these events we call seismology, there is actually a shift in the tectonic plates. So there's a shifting that's going on below us in the crust the the crust of the earth that we cannot see, but what we see are what happens above it, okay? And similarly, uh, when a woman is about to give birth, uh, Jesus described the birth pangs and the travail, and certainly all of creation is in travail, amen. And the woman's body literally begins to shift. Things begin to move. And one of the things that I learned too, I remember... um, Prior to having our first child, I would read about how the woman's body goes through so much change. And one of the things also to accommodate that child is the rib cage actually will expand to accommodate the growing baby in her body. And so when Jesus talked about travail, when he talked about earthquakes in many places, wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, uh, he talked about betrayal and rejection that would come among the brethren. And all of these things indicate a shifting and this is what's happening is we are watching upheaval shifting and travail prior to the return of Jesus Christ so what Jesus is doing right now he's bringing his body his living stones his children his family into divine order now okay because God is a God of order Even as Elijah set the stones in order, we have to be set in order. And he's doing that. He's bringing order into our lives, right priorities, the right focus. He's bringing everything into order now. This is his plan for us as we cooperate. He's doing it in us now, but he'll do it in the earth later. So if people are being prepared right now, And some of the things we are going through feels like upheaval, right? Ladies, remember those birth pangs. Wow, it hurt for a while, right? A lot of pressure, and then it would stop. It's like you had a a time to breathe before the next contraction came, okay? And this is what we're experiencing right now are these birth pangs. Jesus is going to completely displace, disrupt, and dismantle the government of man. The iniquity, the um, indignation has to run its course. Our Father is allowing trials and tribulation in his people. But what it's 
doing. Again, and our comfort level is not of primary importance to him. Now, he gives us the comfort, comforter, the Holy Spirit, to comfort us in our trials and afflictions. But let me tell you, he knows how to make things very uncomfortable to bring us to that place of further brokenness and, and further acceptance of him being Lord and Master and Savior over every area of our life. It's interesting um, that Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 14 how the enemy, the fallen one, uh, wanted five things. And I want to address this right now because he got us, again, having to uproot some things. He's having to destroy some false concepts, wrong thinking, false teaching. He has to destroy these idols. He wants us to cooperate with him because he wants these things to come down in our life. And in Isaiah 14, uh, verses 13 and 14, when the fallen one was described, um, it's interesting. There were five things that he wanted. Okay, so first of all, it's, uh, he wanted self-rule. And so this influence, unfortunately, was passed on to us because we want to be the center of our own lives in the natural. We want to rule. We want to try to be in charge. We want to be able to figure everything out. But Isaiah 14 and 13 tells us that this enemy, this fallen one, has a desire for preeminence, right? He wants to climb higher. And so that influence, sadly, has entered churchianity, and there is a um, a desire for preeminence, um, and even the desire for position and spiritual competition. Because he said, "I want to ascend into heaven. I want to exalt my throne above the stars. I want to sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north." That's recognition, attention. I want position. And I'm willing to compete for it to get what I want. Beloved, God has to get this out of us. He has to allow us to be broken to the place that we realize, like John the Baptist said, I must decrease. He must increase. Everything according to the natural man and to the fallen nature wants just the opposite. He also said, I want a desire to control. He said, I want to ascend above the height of the clouds. I want to be above it all. And he said, I want to be like the Most High. He desired to receive worship. So this evil influence, all right, the desire to ascend, to climb higher, the desire to have position, to be noticed, to compete, the desire for recognition, the desire for attention, the desire to be in control of my own life, to try to control other people, to try to control other situations the way I want, the way I think it should be in debt because of my entitlement mentality. God have mercy on us. The desire to receive worship. Friends, as I'm sharing these things, these were traits that we found among the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And sadly, it's in all of us. Iniquity is in all of us. And God's got to allow circumstances to come into my life and yours to choose to say, no, I don't want to be in control of my own life. I refuse to try to compete with my brothers and sisters There's no place for spiritual competition, beloved, among the body of Christ. There's no place for trying to um, receive recognition or attention for what I think I am so important. No, friends, we have to take up our cross. The cross, we know, is a death stake, right? It means I have to die to that. As I take up that cross 
as the enemy perhaps allows opportunities to say, you know what, just take a shortcut. Jesus isn't going to care. After all, you're a king's kid. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to wait, blah, blah, blah. He's saying the same old lies. Let me tell you something. Every day and sometimes every hour, we make a choice. Lord, I'm not going to respond and allow myself to react in anger. I'm not going to allow this frustration to cause me to become something bitter, a a root of bitterness or something residing in my heart or in my mind that would affect my conduct quickly. Father, I repent of that in the name of Jesus. So as we're seeing all of this all around us, as we're seeing bricks coming together, as we are seeing uh, the desire for this new world order, for this transhumanism agenda, for the social credit scores, for all of the injustice and the iniquity that we see. Beloved, the nations are in an uproar. The rocks are crying out, beloved. We are crying out. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're crying out. The nations are crying out for justice. The nations are crying out for peace. Creation is groaning. It's in travail. All of creation is groaning, waiting for God's sons to be manifested. So, beloved, while creation is groaning and while the seas of humanity are raging and in an uproar and while the persecution uh, continues and will increase, in fact, this is God's opportunity for him to do a deep work within us because he's removing some things, but he's adding other things. And the people he allows to come into our lives, whether those are friends, family members, um, people at work, uh, people we're involved with at our church, iron sharpens iron, okay? And in relationships, when we run into conflict and when people are downright nasty and inconsiderate, unthankful, wow, when we see this kind of behavior in our lives, when we see how people conduct themselves on the roads and the streets, when they become angry because they don't um, They don't get their way. They have to wait in line or something happens. When we see people, the smallest things are triggering anger. We see fearful people. Okay, how are we going to respond? All right, if Jesus is giving you and I those opportunities every day, if he says to you, as he's saying to me, boy, I'm hearing it loud and clear, go the second mile. If they ask for your coat, give them a mantle. If they ask you to walk with them one mile, go with them two, and you will be like your father who's in heaven. Beloved, you and I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I'm honest with him, and I'm honest with you. I cannot change myself. I cannot do in myself what I know needs to be done. So what does our great God and king allow? He is intending to separate you and I now. When I talk about you and I, I'm talking about those who are born from above. His intent is to separate us now, our old will or old thinking according to the flesh, that he might bring us into the new purpose and will of God, one who truly knows him and walks after the spirit. He's looking for fruit. He's building a vineyard, okay? That's what it says in Jeremiah 1, 8 to 10. He's building a new creation. He's planting a vineyard. 
And so when we realize and we can understand that the purpose of God's judgments, again, judgment begins in the house of God, right? That's you and I as individuals. It's you and I corporately, okay? The purpose of God's judgments, the trials, the hardship, the waiting, the misunderstanding, the suffering, is to turn us from the love of the world and the worship of self to the worship of the true and the living God. Beloved, these things are intended by our loving Heavenly Father. He's loving, okay, to purify us. He intends to purify us, produce humility and obedience. Now, we know that the plagues, as we read about in the book of Exodus, were a judgment of God upon the gods that the people worship. Exodus 12, 12 tells us that. And if Jesus is wanting to separate us from our allegiance to idols, he wants a harvest of souls. And Isaiah 26, 8 and 9, I've shared this before. It's so good. It says that God's sons have waited for his righteous judgments to come into the earth because they're designed to teach the inhabitants of earth about God's righteousness. So, beloved, judgment is taking place in God's house now. Now, we do see a worldwide judgment, certainly pestilence with the um, COVID-19, but again, God's glory is going to be revealed, all right? And it was revealed when the people were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. His glory was being revealed. People saw the miracles. They saw um, this uh, son of David. They called him son of David. Jesus called himself the son of man, interestingly enough. They saw this righteous, kind, humble, caring, loving man who explained the scriptures. Every time he spoke, nothing but truth came out of his mouth. This was the king they were looking for, okay? But let me just say this. I am so grateful that God has forgiven me as a sinner. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for being justified freely by his grace. We're grateful for that. We're thankful for that. We have the legal standing of a son. I am so thankful, but beloved, God's not only going to completely erase our past, completely remove that iniquity, but he's bringing forth sons in his image that are going to shine with him and um, bring glory to the Father. And let me just read something also to you um, out of Scripture. This is Revelation 2.17. Jesus said, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and I'm going to give them a white stone. In that stone, a new name is written on it, and no one knows it except the one who receives it. And he says, I'm going to write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God. Beloved, if you are born from, a, from above, God is going to write upon you a new name, and you are identified with that new city, which we call the New Jerusalem, because I'm telling you, everything of Babel and Babylon is coming down. In God's mind, all through scripture, Babylon has fallen. In his mind, it's already fallen. Now, for you and I, as we're seeing the pieces of this puzzle come together, as we're seeing these bricks being built with the slime of 
men's own wickedness from the things of earth, the slime, the tar. Conversely, and to the opposite, God's people are being fitted together. God has literally put people in your life and my life, and he's fitting us together. And the mortar that holds us together is the love of God. Remember, I read earlier from 2 Peter 1, 5, 11, we have to add some things, right? So we're born from above. We're justified. But God says, we're going to add some things to you, right? Now, there may be other things he will have to take away and remove from us and cut things off, cut people off, even blessings off. Because some things can, in fact, become a distraction. Now, each of us has a different assignment. But he said we're going to have to add brotherly kindness and love. So it's the love that holds these stones together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we can't even breathe without his permission. We can't even speak without his grace. We can do nothing apart from him. So today as we are submitting day by day to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, as we have said, Father, I place you, I willingly displace myself from trying to be master of my own life. King self has got to get off the throne with this situation that I'm facing in my life. And we all go through this. I am not going to speak my own words or get angry or try to make myself look good, try to justify myself, No, I'm going to close my mouth, and I'm going to see and watch my father vindicate me. You see, this is a work of the cross, beloved. This is what he's doing. And we're learning to rule right now and reign. In our present circumstances, we're not going to allow these distractions and these hardships to get us from following, to keep our eyes off of Jesus. We're going to make a decision every day. This is what we do. I know this is what you do. This is what I'm trying to do. We're trying to rule today and judge righteously today because, beloved, that's what kings do. God has a people in the earth that will rule and reign with him. So right now, we must understand and know that God's dealings may seem really, really hard, and it will become increasingly so. And emails that I get, phone calls that I get, people that are are facing life and death situations, if God doesn't show up, uh, they're going to go home and be with Jesus, which actually is a wonderful thing. But again, we're all, what can I say? We're all giving opportunities right now. Our test for the sons of God is to prepare us for when we bring forth judgment to the Gentiles because God is going to set judgment in the earth, right? So right now, this is an inner work, an inner uh, building that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's the return of the Lord Jesus that's going to deliver the final victory to his people. Um, Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Again, it's not the woman, but it's the seed of the woman who crushes the head of the serpent. Only King Jesus can bring his righteousness and his justice to the earth. But in the meantime, we're watching a uh, the bricks of the final building, if I may say, because Antichrist 
again, we've talked about this a lot. John's talked about this. Many have talked about it. That spirit is at work, but will fill that individual then who will be given 42 months, three and a half years. He will have that time. He will be given that time, and then it'll be over. We are looking at the seals. We are looking about the sixth seal, and, and I'm convinced, I'm certainly, um, the Lord is showing all of us something new. He's opening in his book, as we know um, we're able to receive it, but we're seeing around the time of the sixth seal, uh, that great earthquake, and the time will come, then God will pour out his wrath upon Antichrist and his kingdom. Now, the scripture is clear to us. We are not appointed to wrath. We are simply not appointed to wrath. There is a difference between tribulation and wrath, and he promises us, beloved, tribulation. And so perhaps some of you have found yourself in a place, you think, what have I done, Father? Why have I landed in this place? Why is it this is so hard? How is it that this person could have turned on me, has um, rejected me? betrayed me? How is it that I've worked so hard on this business project? Nothing is is happening. Or you've poured yourself into a a ministry, and now you're seeing people walk away. You know, we're seeing upheaval. I don't know how else to explain it, but I'm certainly seeing it. We're feeling the great pressure. And in Acts 14, as it was recorded, it said he's confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom. Now, this is something that I'm asking God to teach me to do in, in Romans 5.3. Okay, <laughs> what it says, and I'm asking him, beloved. It says, not only so, but we should glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. You know what, beloved, I believe some of you, are passing some tests. In fact, many of you, I believe, are passing tests, and you don't even know that you are passing a test. Because what's happening is the change on the inside of you, it comes up time and time again. You'll be tempted. No, I'm not giving in to that. I will not look that way. I will not think that way. I will not respond in that way. I will not allow myself uh, something else that I see to dictate to me, I'm going to be listening to the spirit of the living God. Because why? Because he comforts us in tribulation, beloved, that we can comfort others who are in trouble. That's what Second Corinthians says, right? The comfort that we receive, we're able to comfort others. And you've probably found, as you've shared with people, if you share, just share what Jesus has done for you, beloved. Share your testimony. Uh, That's what the word martyr actually means, the testimony, the martyrs, those who lay down their lives, right? Share what Jesus has done for you, knowing that God is using the words that you share to plant seeds. Because one plants, one waters, and another gives the increase. Recently, my husband, uh, just a week ago, had the opportunity. He was talking to a man and the gospel message had been preached and, uh, preached, and my husband said, may I go with you now that you may come up to the front of this uh, particular meeting and you can accept Jesus as Christ. And the man said to him, I'm not ready. And my husband said to this man, today would be a good day. 
And the man's response was, I'm not ready. I have to get some things in order in my life. Now, you know, my husband was sad that he was not able to walk with this brother up to the front of this particular service that this man could publicly confess Jesus as Lord. But I want to tell you something. We must know that God will give every human being. He's absolutely fair. He's absolutely just. He will give people opportunities to receive Christ. We can't force it. Um, Salvation comes from the Lord. It's not by our might or power. It's by his spirit, says the Lord. So I just want to continue uh, to exhort my brothers and sisters, share what you can. Share a smile. I believe John said we all need to smile more. Smile at people. Open the doors for them. Wait for them. Uh, Do any act of kindness. An act of kindness goes a long way, beloved. And, you know, you and I do things in secret. We don't, um, we don't blow a trumpet when we give or when we do something out of kindness because we want our reward to come from the Lord. And I also would say remember to do those things in secret. Keep doing it because God's word tells us that which is done in secret, he's going to reward you openly. There is a day coming, payday's coming, beloved, and some of us just have days left. Some may have just months left. Some may have years left. But the Lord Jesus can call any one of us home at any time. I actually had been making preparations and arrangements to minister in the home of a dear sister where I've ministered in the past. Actually, a good friend of Pastor Ken Peters, who I also knew, ministered at his church and then ministered in this woman's home where they had a mighty, mighty moves of God. You know, And she said to me, Terry, do it again. Pray about doing a meeting. I said, let's do it. And when I didn't hear back from her in a few weeks, I thought, okay, Lord, I asked you for the right timing. I received the message that this dear sister had gone home to be with Jesus. Now, we were planning a meeting. We're just trying to work while it's yet day because the night's coming and we won't be able to work. The night's coming, beloved, where we're going to be in the homes. We'll be going underground. We'll be in hidden places because the persecution will increase. But what I'm saying to you is this. Please continue to make plans. Please continue to do what you can to help hasten the day of the Lord, to help hasten his coming. And we can do that. Second Peter's talked about hastening the day of the Lord. We can do that by sharing the gospel message. We can do that by an act of kindness. By just asking a person, may I pray for you? They can either say yes or no. Do you know I can only remember one time someone saying, no, I don't want you to pray for me. Usually people are very gracious. They say, yes, I need prayer. Thank you. But don't think or put the pressure on yourself because they weren't willing to make a decision for Christ when you offered it. Remember that you've planted a seed. You were obedient to the Lord. Just say what he tells you to say. Just love people, be bold in your speech, because you have many companions in tribulation, beloved, and the things that you and I will suffer, nothing can be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in the sons of God. So we're learning to be patient in tribulation. We're learning to encourage one another, because God said we would suffer tribulation in this life. But I tell you what, Jesus is coming, beloved. And there are many stones that are being fitted together to become his temple of light. 
The foundation of the wall of God's city are garnished with all manners of precious stones. Revelation 21 tells us that. Now, I believe there literally will be precious stones, but I believe the precious stones, that which the focus of our Father is upon those who are crying out to him, the rocks that cry out in repentance, the rocks that cry out for our king to come as we cry out and as we ask him to answer prayer and to send people into the lives of people that we can't reach, beloved. He is the Lord of the harvest. He knows where your loved ones are. He knows how to reach your coworkers. Yes, you can share, but beloved, trust him to do it. He knows how to do it, and he knows that the days are short, and the scripture tells us that the enemy knows his time is short, and he's come down with great rage. Share with people, as John the Baptist ministry did, the forerunner, the one that prepares the way of the Lord. Repentance is a big deal, beloved. They must believe and confess, but they must hear. Who are they going to hear from? Who is your neighbor going to hear from? Who is that person going to hear from that you just by chance happen to run into? The necessity of salvation with the Great Commission is upon our Father's heart. They must hear the gospel. They must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We must repent of our sins. We must confess before men that Jesus is the Son of God. We must be baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. We must be obedient to God and faithful to him unto death. And we must earnestly look for him. And Second um, Peter 3.12, I read it in the NIV today, it says we can speed its coming. We can hasten the coming of the day of God. Beloved, the clock is ticking. For some of us, our time is really short. In the meantime, we're working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Ask the Spirit of the Lord to bring the fear of God upon your unsaved loved ones. Ask the Spirit of the Lord to bring a knowledge of their need for a Savior. Ask the Spirit of God. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the dreams and the visions and the wake-up calls. This is how my husband and I are praying for our unsaved loved ones. Father, send the wake-up calls. Wake them up and shake them up. This is how we're praying, beloved. This is how we have to earnestly contend for souls. This, our souls are in the balance. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. And as we look at escalating wars coming and that which is coming upon the earth, remember and know that Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, beloved. Cry out to our great God for mercy. Have mercy, Lord God, because I promise you he is hearing. He is hearing the cry of your heart, and he is faithful to answer. The God of Elijah knows how to answer by fire, and that's what he's going to do. Father, I thank you and praise you for this time we've had. I thank you, Father, that your desire is not one would perish, but all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And I ask for myself, and I ask for my brothers and sisters who are listening that you would strengthen them, fortify them, and use them to help prepare the way of the Lord. And it's in his name, the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Savior, our Messiah, that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, John. Amen. 
Oh, yeah. Thank you, too. Powerful, powerful message. Praise God. I had people even commenting that it's like, the um, you know, Vera, for example, said it's, it feels like you're talking directly to her. A lot of people, I won't name all their names, but uh, are going through precisely the same, you know, the things that you were talking about and, uh, and you know, to get, get, get our arms around it and to be able to, to tolerate it and to even prosper uh in the midst of all those challenges is is very very hard and uh, thank you so much for your encouraging words and teachings and helping us to understand why we're going through these things and to better prepare ourselves for the days that we have ahead uh it is a powerful mighty blessing and we thank you so much for joining us tonight sister terry do you want to go ahead and share with everybody again where they can get a hold of you yes of course um you can email me at a word in due season 777 at gmail.com if you want prayer. You can visit on the website, and that's a word in due season.com. Praise God. Thank you so much, Sister Terry, for joining us tonight. We're already looking forward always um, to the next program. Um, and, folks, it's Sunday, so we'll see you, Lord willing, at 7 p.m. this Wednesday. Uh, I believe we'll be having uh, Robert Vandrius Mitchell joining us. And uh, so, anyway, thank you all for joining us. God bless you, Sister Terry. Everybody hang in there. Keep on praying. Heads down. What Terry said about us being really, really close is absolutely true, um, and uh, we don't know how much longer we have, but in the grand scheme of the uh, the time it could be, it is very, very short. Praise God. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Terry. Again, uh, invaluable times uh, that we've had together, and we just cannot express our gratitude uh, anymore. So thank you so much. Um, and all of you, thank you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Good night, Terry. Say hello to Pip for me. God bless you. Thanks. Amen. Bye-bye. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise His holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.